So I'm going to preach from down here today. I'm going to talk to you, but this is really, while a lot of my preaching always has a good content of teaching in it, today really is, it's, it's teaching, but it's prophetic. I believe it's a word from the Lord for the church. And so, because it is more of a teaching type of content, I want to unfold a couple of things from the Old Testament, and we're going to gradually move forward, and there's going to be a really cool culmination of all the things I'm about to share with you and show you from Scripture. Last week, one of the scriptures that God gave me, and this is a heads up to the guys in the back, um, at the very end of my notes, I have Leviticus chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. It's, it's on the second page of notes, if you've got it. Would you just, we're going to break rank here and do Leviticus chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. I'm going to read this verse to you. I read it to you last week. I want to refresh it in your ears, and then I'm going to ask you, okay, now just stick that off to the side, and we're going to come back to it. So let me read it to you, okay? Well, while they're pulling it up, I'll read it to you. Ephesians chapter, sorry, Leviticus chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. This is about a memorial offering. Okay, thanks, guys. When anyone brings a grain offering, so they would reap the harvest of the wheat and all the wheat heads, and they would bring a grain offering to the Lord. Their offering is to be of the finest flour. Now today, I, I, I love to cook. Sometimes I make my own pasta, okay? And so, and I like to experiment. Can you tell I like to experiment? I have some good experiments. Uh, sometimes I make pasta out of beans, dried beans, and I grind it. I have my own little mill, and I, I grind it. I make my own flour. And um, they're all different grades of flour. And the finer the flour, the less coarse it is. Now, obviously, in olden days, they would uh, try to crush the grain with a stone, and then eventually they had ox that took two big round stones and the grain would get funneled in between and the, t the ox would turn the round stones and the bottom stone would stay flat and the grains would be ground and crushed and they'd become like flour. And to some degree they'd sift it, but it wouldn't be as fine a flour as we can get today because we have steel rollers that can totally crush it to a whole nother level. If you're going to make bread uh, and, uh, or, or bake, usually for baking you use a double zero flour or triple zero flour. And the finer it is, the smoother the texture, the less fine it is, the coarser, okay? And depending on what kind of texture you're going for in the pasta you're making, or in the bread you're making, or in the pastry you're making. Well, God said to Moses, Moses, I'm going to lay out some laws, and they're all symbolic. And everything I tell you to do, I want you to do it to the T. 
Because while it's symbolic, it's actually a symbol or a representation of the real thing that's in heaven. How many of you are familiar with that? That God said that to Moses and Paul repeats that in the book of Hebrews. How many of you are familiar with that? He said, make everything according to the pattern because it's a pattern of things to come. The realities are in heaven. Okay, so here's a grain offering. The people would bring a grain offering and they're to bring the finest of flour and pour olive oil on it and then put incense in it and so it would be like a paste. You'd take olive oil and fine flour and mix it together and put incense in there. It's going to be like dough, a bit like a paste. And you put it on the fire. And as it burns, it's creating an aroma before the Lord. It's a memorial offering. As the smell goes up before the Lord, it's a memorial offering. And then he says, the rest of the flour and the oil, verse 3, I don't know if you have verse 3 there. The rest of the oil and the flour uh, you give to Aaron, who's the high priest, and that is for the priesthood, the tribe of Levi. Aaron was from the tribe of Levi. Moses was from the tribe of Levi. Aaron was the first high priest. And anyone born in the tribe of Levi was called into the priesthood by birth. Everybody understand that? And so the priest lived on some of the offerings that the people brought. The tithes and the offerings were used for the ongoing ministry, taking care of the tabernacle, getting the oil, blah, 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 all the things to run the church or the temple, the ministry, as well as to feed and look after the priest who serve in the temple. So in verse 3, he says, The rest of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons, all the people of Levi, their priests. It is a most holy part of the food offering presented to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to tie this up yet. This is all going to come together at the end. So we're going to take that verse and everything I just told you, and we're going to put it over here on the right side of our brain and put it on the shelf, and we're going to move forward, and then I'm going to pull this stuff together. Is that okay? Yep. All right, so we're going to have a little bit of a surprise attack at the end. All right, cool. And uh, attack might not be the right word, but anyway, I'm going to talk to you about God's greatest memorial. So one of the other things that God did in the Old Testament as he gave Moses all of these rules and these regulations, he said, now there's a special way that I want the high priest to dress. I want him to have certain garments, and everything is symbolic. We're not going to go into all the details, but what we are going to do, if I could have my first uh, verse, uh, which is, no, my first verse, which is Exodus chapter 28, verse 6 to 12. He says to Moses, I want you to make an ephod of gold and of blue and purple and scarlet yarn. So gold yarn, blue yarn, purple and scarlet. So they would get these, this yarn, dye it in the different colors, and then twist it so that it would be 
a multicolored thread. And as they create these threads, then they would weave them in and make a fabric out of this multicolor. And so he says, make the ephod of gold, of blue, of purple, scarlet yarn, and of finely twisted linen, the work of skilled hands. You know what God's saying? Excellence. God didn't give you some beat up, broken down, got no other use for angel and send him to the cross to be the sacrifice for you. God didn't take his puniest angel, his weakest angel. He didn't take an angel that, you know, I really don't have much time for him. How about I let him die for you? No. God became flesh. He gave us the best. It's called excellence. Too often, excellence doesn't compute in the mind of modern day believers. We are so busy self serving that we don't have time to give God the excellence. Notice the flower had to be the finest flower. Now, he wants skilled hands working on the clothing. Because God is a God of excellence. We live in a very haphazard world. And we take the lifestyle that's out there and we live it. And then that's how we serve the Lord in here. And when I say it here, I mean the church in general. Okay? Everything God does is intentional. Everything God does is with purpose. And everything God does is with excellence. Yeah. Verse 7. This ephod made of this material. By the way, let's, let's have that drawing now. I'm sorry, Tony. Can we have that first drawing of the ephod? The priest. So this is the kind of garment that he's telling him to make. Now I'm going to describe a couple of things on here. And please, you know, if you didn't enjoy school and listening to a teacher, just stay with me a little bit. This is going to come together and you're going to see this phenomenal picture. And it's a picture about you. It's a picture about you. Okay? So... This is basically the kind of garment, and now I'm going to describe, you see arrows pointing to two things on the shoulder. Verse 7, it is to have two shoulder pieces attached to two of its corners so that it can be fastened. It's to be skillfully woven. Don't just get anyone to do this. It's got to be a person who's going to put their pride and joy in it, who's got an artistic flair who's going to do it with diligence, not half-hearted. He said, it is to be skillfully woven. Waistband is to be like it. Uh, so it's skillfully woven waistband is to be like it. Of one piece with the ephod made with gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen. Then take two onyx stones. It's a precious stone, a black stone. Onyx. Take two onyx stones and engrave on them the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth. 
six names on one stone and six names on the remaining stone or the other stone. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones the way a gem cutter engraves a seal. So carve out the name of each of the sons of Israel, the 12 tribes, six on one stone, six on the other. Mount the stones in gold filigree settings and fasten them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod or ephod as a memorial stone for the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the name uh, Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord. So Aaron is the high priest. He's the dude, he's the only dude who's allowed to go into the, the Holy of Holies. That's where God is. And the whole purpose of this is as Aaron goes before the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, God's looking down on these memorial stones and he's seeing the names of the tribes of Israel. And God says this is meant to be a memorial. So every time he serves in the temple, I'm remembering my people. I'm thinking of you. Then he, uh, so let's have a picture of what those stones look like. Those two onyx stones, there you go, on either side. Uh, and they were encased in gold. And you had six tribes on one shoulder, six tribes on the other shoulder. And every time the priest is ministering and he brings the blood of a sacrificial lamb to atone for sins, God's reading the names of his people being washed in the blood of a lamb. Even the sacrificial lamb was a token, a symbolic representation of the perfect thing that is in heaven. Okay. Well, now we're going to go on to the next bit. Exodus 28, verse 15 to 21. Fashion a breastpiece for making decisions. The work of skilled hands. Make it like the ephod of gold of blue, purple, scarlet yarn of finely twisted linen. It is to be square. A span wide, a span long. It's about eight, nine inches. And double folded or folded double. Then mount four rows of precious stones on it. The first row will be carnelian, then chrysolite, then beryl. The second row, turquoise, lapis, lazuli, and emerald. And the third row will be jacinth, agate, and amethyst. The fourth row will be topaz, onyx, and jasper. That's 12 stones. Let's have a picture of that. So this is the breast piece. See how the material is woven with blue, with scarlet? And if you could come and look really close, you'd see little specks of gold. And this was the breast piece. It was double folded. If you're close enough, you'll see it's actually two layers layered on top. There's a reason for that. We're not going there today. And on each stone is engraved one name of one of the 12 sons of Israel. So, the whole nation of Israel is represented and it's over the priest, the high priest's chest. It covers his heart. And as he ministers before God, God is remembering his people. Pretty cool, isn't it? 
Okay. We're going to start tying this together. This, and by the way, verse 29, can I have verse 29? The Bible actually says, whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastpiece of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. This is symbolic of the realities in heaven. So God has memorials in heaven with our names written on it because it's continual. There is a remembrance of you before God night and day. Yeah. This memorial is a copy of the one that's in heaven. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 3 and verse 5. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. Verse 5. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy, a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle... See that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Why? Don't cut corners. Don't fudge. Don't use poor quality. This, while it's symbolic, it is representative of a reality in heaven. Okay, everyone see that? Okay. Jesus is the real high priest in heaven that the sons of Levi represented. And so if we look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 15, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us firmly hold on to what we profess. So stay with me here for a second. If the earthly high priest had to have these garments and he had to have the names of Israel on precious stones. Isn't it cool? He didn't say, I want you to, uh, what is it when you, you draw things by stitching and you make a logo or you write? Embroidery. Isn't it cool that God didn't say, oh yeah, get some scarlet thread and just embroider the names. He said, no, get a precious stone. That's your name. He says, I want it engraved on a precious stone. God, God could have just woven it on the shoulder. He said, no, get a precious stone, engrave it, and then I want you to set that stone in a gold setting. You, you have value before the Lord. While other people have tried to take value away from you. And even decisions that you've made in the past sometimes have taken value away from you. God says, but I put a value on you. And no one will take away the value that I have set in my heart for you. That's a word from the Lord for you. Yeah. So Jesus is this high priest. And so the same way the priest on earth would go into the Holy of Holies, Jesus goes into the Holy of Holies. 
The high priest on earth took a, an innocent lamb, a perfect lamb, would sacrifice it on the altar, take the blood, carry the blood into the Holy of Holies, and the innocence of the lamb would substitute for the sin of the people. And the priest would sacrifice this lamb, bring the blood into the Holy of Holies, and as the Bible says, he would sprinkle everything that could be sprinkled with blood. It was like a slaughterhouse. And the blood would cover people's sins. And he's seeing your name washed in the blood of Jesus. Your name washed in the blood of Jesus. Here's the difference with the high priest in heaven and the priest, high priest on earth. They would sacrifice a symbolic lamb. In heaven, the high priest crawled up on the altar himself and said, God, I lay myself down for the sins of the world. Amen. So Jesus is this high priest. Let's have a look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 to 2. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1 to 2. Now, the main point of what we're saying is this, by the way, that's what's written. That's not me saying it, but it is the main point. The main point of what we're saying is this. We have such a high priest. He has sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty, that is God, in heaven. And he serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by mere human beings. So what we read in the Old Testament, the reality of it is in heaven. What was on earth was a copy. Everybody with me? Okay. You're doing really good. John 20, verse 20 and verse 27. It was six days before the Passover. Six days before the Passover. Sorry, sorry, sorry. John 20, verse 20 and verse 27. Jesus had risen from the dead. And he goes to see the disciples in verse 20. And it says, after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So Jesus makes an appearance to the disciples and he says, look guys, it's me. Have a look. Here's the hole in my side. And what I find really interesting is the Bible tells us that when Jesus rose from the dead, he was in his glorified body. That's his permanent body. I'm just waiting as the penny drops. You see, the Bible says that when we die and then when our physical body one day is resurrected, it is sown corruptible, it is risen incorruptible. It is sown perishable, but it is risen imperishable. It is sown in weakness, but it is risen with perfection. You see, I might have a gimpy knee, I don't, but I might have a gimpy knee, my resurrected body, I'm going to be strong. Any weakness in my physical body, in my resurrected body, it won't exist. All right? So why is it that Jesus has his resurrected body and he still has holes in his hands 
and holes in his side. He's the high priest who goes into the Holy of Holies. And every time the Father sees him ministering at the altar with holes in his head and holes in his feet and a hole in his side, he remembers Rob Scarallo, who was bound in sin who had stuff happen to him when he was a kid and it stayed with him for such a long time until the blood of Jesus broke the chains of bondage and washed away his sin and washed away the trap, the bondage. Broke the chains. And every time this high priest stands before the Lord, he remembers you. And he remembers why his son died for you. And he remembers all the abuse from your childhood that has affected you and entrapped you and enslaved you and made you a prisoner of fear, made you a prisoner of rejection, made you a prisoner of loss, made you a prisoner of shame. And the father sees the son and he says, it was worth it, it was worth it, it is worth it. By the blood of the lamb, they are forgiven. By the blood of the lamb, they are redeemed. By the blood of the Lamb, they are sons of God. Hallelujah. And every day, this high priest ministers in the Holy of Holies, and God remembers you. Hallelujah. And he remembers that the works of the enemy have been defeated, and you have been set free. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> Good on you, Donna. I love it when Donna gets excited. I love it when you guys get excited. Verse 27, Jesus comes back a second time. And Thomas had been saying, he heard about this. He says, well, unless I see the holes in his hands, I'm not going to believe. Isn't it cool that Jesus is the Jesus of a second chance. He came back just for Thomas. He said, hey, Thomas, I wasn't here when you said it, but I heard it just for you one more time. Put your finger in the holes. Put your hand in my side. Why did the Son of God rise up with a resurrected body? What was sown in weakness for us is raised without weakness, but he was sown in perfection, but he holds in himself the memorial marks of our name and our salvation forever and ever. Isn't this incredible? Okay, so how am I going? Praise God. So, as Jesus ministers at the altar in heaven, the holes in his hands and his feet and his side serve as a memorial before God that reminds him of you. There isn't a day in eternity where your father doesn't say your name. How could that be? He's God. All right? He created the universe. I couldn't do it. He names everyone. Now watch this. Isaiah chapter 49. This is what God says. Verse 15 to 17. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, 
I will not forget you. Next verse. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand, and your walls are ever before me. God builds memorials, and he has memorials in heaven with your name on it. Don't let the devil talk dirt to you. Don't let the devil talk trash to you. Don't let the devil try to talk to you like you're one of his. No, you're not. He's a liar. He was a liar from the beginning. He is the father of lies. Jesus said when he speaks, he speaks his native language, which is the language of lies. All the garbage that demons speak over you and they tell you you're worthless, you're useless, like your father said, he should never have had you. They are lies from the pit of hell. When those demons speak those things inside of you, you need to remind the devil that God engraved your name on a precious stone and he set it in gold and he pierced Jesus' hands so that the remembrance of you would never leave his presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, but I'm only telling the story. This was his genius. She said, good preaching. I said, thank you, but I'm just telling the story. He's the author of this. Praise God. Can I show you a couple of more things? In Leviticus chapter 2, I read it to you. According to John 6, now remember the memorial offering finest of flour, ground to the finest possible level, and then beautiful incense oil, the oils of the incense put into this flour and it makes a paste, and olive oil as well. And that portion goes on the altar. This is the altar that stands just before the curtain of the Holy of Holies, So behind this curtain is the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, and God keeps smelling this incense. Beautiful. Today we just go to Walmart and buy a plug-in and stick it in the wall. In John, I think it's John chapter 12, It says six days before the Passover. Six days before the Passover. What's the Passover? When Israel would sacrifice the lamb and the lamb was for the atonement of sins. Goes back to when they came out of Egypt on the eve of that night. It was the Passover and they took the blood of an innocent lamb, painted it over their doorposts, and when the curse would come, the spirit of death, And it came over the land of Egypt. It had to pass over any house that had the blood of the lamb. Jesus is that sacrificial lamb. And they would celebrate a Passover by sacrificing a lamb for the remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins. And they would do it over and over and over again. So here it is, six days before a Hebrew Passover. Did you know that Jesus died on Passover? He was the sacrificial lamb of God. John the Baptist said, Behold, the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. God is so into details. Jesus was crucified on Passover. 
Six days, watch this. Six days before Passover, he goes to see his buddy Lazarus, who has two sisters, Mary and Martha. They all love Jesus so much. Six days before Jesus goes to the cross, he goes to spend some home time with his friends, with people he loved and people he knew they loved him. He's about to die for the sins of the world, and he went to a comfort place. He went to be with his buddies. And he goes to Lazarus' house, and the story, if you read it in the Gospel of John, Mary, Lazarus' sister, takes out a, a, an alabaster jar with a year's worth of pure nard. Nard is an incense that is gleaned from a flower and you need tons of it just to make a little bit of the oil. It is extremely expensive. And she takes this and the Bible makes a point of saying it was more than a year's worth. I'm going to explain that in a moment because everything in the word of God has significance. But she takes this oil and she starts to bathe the body of Jesus in it. Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it cannot reproduce. He was the grain of wheat that was about to be crushed to become the fine flour that was going to be on the altar of the Lord. And she was putting the incense oil on that grain of wheat that was about to be crushed and made into fine flour. And the olive oil, which is symbolic of the power of the Holy Ghost, was already on Jesus and here's Mary she didn't even know what she was doing but she was anointing him for uh, to, to be a memorial offering before the Lord as he laid out his life so that our names would be continually before God's presence I've never studied a lot of this stuff that I'm sharing with you today, I've never studied before, and the Holy Ghost just started downloading it to me. I didn't read this out of a book. I read it out of the book, and the Spirit of God's been talking to me. Jesus was the grain of wheat that was about to fall to the ground, the finest of flour, and Mary covered him in incense. And the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which is symbolized by the olive oil, was on him. And as he was sacrificed before God, a sweet-smelling memorial went before the Father. Now watch this. I want you to reach down in the chair in front of you are communion emblems. We're going to take communion. I want you to take those communion emblems. There's a tab that sticks out. If you play with it, bend it back. It actually has a thin layer on the top and a, another layer on the bottom. You gotta play with it a little bit and the top will expose um, the wafer. I finally got one of those that doesn't separate. That's right. If I don't, there we go. This one came up easy. 
this wafer. I know it tastes like styrofoam. Okay, this is symbolic. The reason why it's flat is there's no yeast. When you read about the memorial offering, he said don't put any yeast in the fine flour. And so without yeast, it doesn't rise. You get flat bread, okay? Jesus takes the bread, and he says to his disciples, this is my body, the wheat that was broken and crushed for your sins. Every time you take this, listen, do it in remembrance of me. It's a memorial offering. This is the fine flour. Now the, the memorial offering that the priests ate didn't have the incense in it. Okay? The memorial offering on the altar that was burned before God had the incense. If you go back and read Leviticus 2, verse 1 to 3, it says, Now take the flour and the olive oil and give it to the sons of Aaron that they make bread, and they will eat from it. Jesus is this memorial offering. He says, this symbolizes me. This is my body. He breaks it, and he tells them to eat it. So I want you to eat it right now. Put it in your mouth. This is, represents the body of Christ. Okay? You know what Jesus was doing? He not only brought to them the memorial that is in heaven constantly, himself. These holes in my hand are a memorial of your name before the Father. But when he took the bread and he gave it to me, he said, eat of it. Who is the fine flour and the oil for? Aaron and his sons, it was for the priesthood. When he gave the disciples the bread, and he said, as often as you do it, let it be a memorial of me. When he gave them the bread, he said, I've now made you priests of God most high. When we eat of the bread, we are acknowledging we are priests of God most high. So he didn't just engrave us on a precious stone and set us in a gold setting. He's not just made us a memorial constantly before the Father. Every day God's reading our names. He didn't just become the sacrificial lamb whose blood washes away all of our sin with his body. He has called us into the priesthood. And every one of us, sons of God, Daughters of God are priests of God Most High. Amen. Amen. Now that's an honor that goes beyond me, yes. beyond anything I deserve. He said, This grape juice is symbolic of my blood that was shed for you. As often as you do this, he said, I want you to remember. But as often as you do this, I want you to remember I died for you. 
I want you to remember your sins are forgiven. I want you to remember that you're not a sinner saved by grace. You were a sinner and you are saved by grace and now you're a son and a daughter of the Most High. Because if you, were, if you are a sinner saved by grace, you can't be a priest. You were a sinner. You are saved by grace. And now you are sons of God. And the whole idea of taking communion is that that's the fine flour and the olive oil that the priests would eat. Jesus has invited us into the priesthood of God. That's pretty incredible, isn't it? Pretty incredible. What amazes me is how everything from the Old Testament totally fits and weaves together with the New Testament. So stand with me right now. You see, the devil has a history of telling us who we ain't. The devil, I'm going to say it again, has a history of telling us who we ain't. But the Holy Spirit has a ministry of telling us who we are. Hallelujah. Every time we take of the bread and we drink from the cup, we are reminded that we were sinners, but today we are sons of God because of the blood of Jesus. And the same way he remembered the names of the sons of Israel, every time he sees Jesus, he remembers the name of Bernard. Hallelujah. He sees the name of Patty. He sees the name of Lynn. He sees every one of us every day for eternity. He said, this is a memorial that will continue forever and ever and ever. We will be in his presence as a precious jewel because of what Jesus has done. Hallelujah. You tell that devil he's a filthy, dirty liar. Jesus said he came to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't let him steal from you because he'll destroy your joy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Let's take of the cup. And let the joy of God fill your understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You see, demons really do, their mission is to always tell us who we're not. They want to baptize you in the remembrance of your sins. They want to baptize you in the remembrance of all your failures. But Jesus baptizes us into himself. And he is a constant reminder before the Father they are forgiven. They are sons. They are daughters. They are priests of the Most High. I was the youngest, I am the youngest of three brothers. 
I think if I was the oldest and someone was picking on my little brother, I have no doubt in my mind I would have punched him out. I don't know how many times, this is the truth, growing up in New York, you know, before I really understood the things of God, I was a bit of a hard nut. But I, I remember at times, and please, this is not to make a statement about one religion or another. We went to a public school. There were kids that were from a particular type of Christian school. And they'd always make fun of us kids from the public school. And I remember as I'm coming home one day, some boys they had deliberately stepped in dog poo. And they were going up to this girl and taunting her and trying to put their foot on her. And yeah, just the girl was terrorized, you know. I'm on the other side of the street. You see, I'm a bit bulky now, not because of muscles. I bulk up on pasta. But I used to be a real skinny, sickly kid. But it didn't matter. I was fiery. The same temperament I have now, I had then. I mean, I was sickly most of my life, and I was skinny. My brothers used to feel sorry for me. And when I saw that happening, I dropped my books and I ran across that street. I was a gang of about four boys. And I started to lay into them. How dare you harass that girl? I didn't use those words. I just started punching and kicking and they all went running. Maybe it's that quality. Part of that quality that God saw would make a good shepherd and he'd fight on behalf of the people so that the enemy can't pick on them. See, my words to you today where I tell you that demons have a history of telling you who you ain't and reminding you that the Holy Ghost has a ministry of telling you who you are. That's me running across the street while the devil is trying to stick some dog poo on you and I'm kicking those demons in the head so that you don't hear them anymore and telling them to shut up. I haven't changed. Still the same. But you are engraved as a memorial in the presence of God. Don't let the devil talk to you about your past. If you brought your past to Jesus, Talk to him about the fact that you are a precious stone. Say, devil, you got old news. I got new news. Amen. I used to be who you say I am. But behold, I'm in Jesus and I'm a new creation. And my name is engraved in a precious stone because that's how valuable I am to my father. Devil, you're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar. I am engraved on Jesus' hands. That's how close God wants me to his heart. Amen. Will you step into your priesthood? Step into your priesthood. We religiously say, I'm living for God. But the truth of the matter is, Really, we're living for self. I want that phrase to become more intentional. Be a priest who's living for God. We go through life 
this is my job so I could bring money home, so I could have the boat, have the car, have the house, go out to eat. Nothing's wrong with that. But don't be a priest who says he's living for God, but really the intention of your life is living for self. Let's be priests whose intention is to live for God. Can I call you to that priesthood? Come on, church. Can I call you to that priesthood? We are memorials before him through Jesus. I want to be a memorial that serves him with joy. I want to be a memorial that gathers people around his throne. That's what God's calling you to. And I believe that as we, the church, repent of some of our laziness and lack of skillful excellence and attention to the things of God, that as we repent of that and we start to come into his presence, I believe the glory of God will start to fill the house more and more. God needs his priests to rise up and be the church, not just go to church. Be the church. Let the glory of God rest on your life. Excellence is an attitude of heart. We try to impress people with the show, but God's impressed by what doesn't show. Did you hear that? We try to impress the world with the show, what's on the outside, what I can do. God's impressed by what doesn't show, the hidden things that are hard. Amen. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in us. I thank you that you're speaking prophetically to us. I thank you that even this is a prophetic word. Give us ears to hear and a heart to say yes and amen. Cause our spirit to jump on board with your word. We didn't go to church today. We were the church. Let it be in every man and every woman's heart that today we became altars of incense to you. And let it be that we live intentionally this way. In Jesus' name, amen.